Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are part of the Lighthouse family, be it on-site with us weekly or tuning in online, we'd love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Ely. It's on all our social media platforms. I hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Enjoy the message. We're continuing our series on what's on your chalkboard, what are the essentials uh, we're talking about over the next few weeks. And one of the things I began to speak about last week is the condition of our of humankind and why do we need God? Why do we need salvation? What salvation is? What God has done for us in the work of Christ on the cross? And I want to just delve into that with a little bit of teaching this morning for you. And um, and we're going to pray and uh, close and um, really believe in God's uh, working amongst you by his Holy Spirit. I'm really believing that for you today. So um, get a nice cup of tea or coffee and uh, nice and relaxed. And we're going to go through some uh, scripture and uh, unpack some of these things this morning in a little little bit of detail. Um, That would be good. So why do we need God? Why do we need faith? What is faith? How that operates in our lives? And we're going to open in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 1. And then we're going to read 1 to 5 on there as well. Salvation or redemption of humankind is the response to the work of God. First of all, it is God that works it in us. And uh, we enter into the work with God through our faith and our belief in him. So Peter summarizes this and he says this, uh, God planned long ago to choose you and make you his holy people, which is the Spirit's work. I love that bit. God wanted you to obey him and to be made clean by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of the death of Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you more and more. By his great mercy, this is verse three, he has given us a new birth, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So I love this. It kind of unpacks it for us that it's about the death of Jesus, it's about the resurrection of Jesus, and it's about a future and an inheritance that we have. In a sense that the kingdom of God and the salvation that he's provided for us is here and now, but it also is to come. And he's preserving us and keeping us. Why? Because he wants us as his, as his holy people. And he wants us separated. And this how the Holy Spirit working in us making us these new creations, these new beings, if you like, the new life that he's given us and that new birth and we're entered into his family. Making us new, uh, giving us a new birth is birthing us into God's family. And that's important for us to understand that we are part of something bigger. We're part of God's kingdom, but we're also part of God's family, and we want to understand where our place is in God's uh, kingdom. And I spoke about this recently. N.T. Wright talks about this. He takes a step back and looks at the whole of the Bible from creation to revelation as almost like a five-act play. Um, He says it like this. You've got creation, fall, Israel, Jesus' life, which we read in the Gospels, and then New Testament, which is that fifth act. And that's where we fit in. 
we are part of that fifth act. So to live as a Christ follower, to be a Christian, is living out our life in light of what it means to live in that final act, what it means to be new creation, that new community that the apostles would talk about and talk about how we can respond to God's word and live in a way that affects us and the world around us. James says it, doesn't he? He says, I'll show you my faith by the way I live out my life. And it's helpful for us to understand what our role is, what it means to be a new creation, what it means to be um, saved, what salvation means. And I'm going to look into that and how we respond to Christ's work. First of all, the, the problem. Salvation is needed because we are a broken people living in a broken world. And we know that suffering is so common, common to all humankind from that early point of us becoming self-aware, vulnerable to decay and to death. So salvation is needed for both the creature and the creation. Salvation from the Greek is that is based on the word sozo, which is to save, and it means to deliver out of danger. And it's used to rescue God's people out of the penalty and the power of sin and into his divine provision, his safety. It means to save a suffering one, one that is perishing, one is suffering from disease. It means to make well. It means to heal. It means to restore to health. And that kind of restoration is something we need to see in our world today. Our creation needs restoring. And, and that restoration is available. And we have to have that hope and that belief that not only can we be redeemed and saved, but all of creation. And it says in, in Romans, it says, all of creation is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed for that revelation of, of who God's people are and what their role is in the world today. To save uh, particularly means to deliver from the messianic judgment. We know the, the Christ, uh, Jesus, he came to save us from our sins. And when he comes back, he's coming back as that judge. And he's going to judge us according to what we have done with his creatures and with his creation. And the scripture says, because of his perfect love that's poured out into us, we are saved from judgment. And it's not that we don't have judgment, it's that we're saved almost through judgment, if that makes sense. And uh, he comes to judge the living and the dead, um, because he's the only one that can do it. He is that perfect saviour, that perfect salvation. And um, that's coming in the end. But we have no fear of that, because we belong to him. And like Peter says, we're preserved, we're kept. Um, the salvation is kept for us. Anyway, we're going to unpack all of this a little bit, hopefully, and try and look at the sevenfold problems of humankind. Um, the sevenfold problems is that mankind sinned, separated themselves from God. And, uh, and when you have sin, you have a debt. You know, the old prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray is forgive our sins. Or another translation says forgive our debts as we forgive others who are debted against us. So the idea that sin is a debt and sinners need forgiveness. Um, there's the, the idea that as sinners we're condemned 
as criminals, as breaking of God's law. So we need that justice or that justification. There's an idea that we are enemies of God, that we have rejected God, and therefore relationship is broken and we need reconciliation. Um, Paul would talk about how idea that we are slaves to our sins and to our passions. And as slaves, we need to be purchased or redeemed, or we need that redemption. Scripture describes humankind as defiled and as unholy. So they need that washing, that cleansing, that sanctification. And Scripture describes us as dead in our sins and trespasses. So as dead, we need to be made alive. And scripture describes us as poor strangers, estranged from God, if you like, cut off, um, not part of the family of God. So we need that adoption into his family. So salvation provides all of the answers to these problems. It provides forgiveness, justification, reconciliation, redemption, sanctification, newness of life and adoption into the family of God. And these works of salvation are divine works. They are designed for us in our, in our conversion. And as we are converted, if you like, and as we are brought out of our condition as sinners, we're brought into, so many metaphors here, we're brought into the light, we're brought into life, we're brought into uh, a place of peace, a place of freedom, and uh, we're given that place of freedom in order for us to give that freedom to others. The seven doctrines of salvation God performs, and this happens when the sinner, i.e. us, humankind, accept Christ as our Lord and Saviour. And this happens through our repentance, our faith, our baptism, and God lifts us out of our old condition and places us in a new condition and bestows upon us all the riches, the spiritual riches um, that he gives us. So number one, first, forgiveness. What does it mean? God's salvation is the forgiveness of our sins, the forgiven, forgiveness of the sinner's past life, regardless of where they've been. Regardless of what your past is, it is forgiven. It's under the blood. We used to sing that song, all my sins are under the blood. I've been redeemed. I've been forgiven. Um, and all of that past, Christ wipes that away. He gives us that new beginning. And almost we're dead to our past. And the life that we live, the apostle would say to the Galatians, the life that I lived is dead. It's buried in Christ. And the life that I live now is by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Through divine forgiveness, our sins are washed away. Isaiah says they've been made as white as snow. Uh, Psalm says uh, a sin has been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And the sin uh, has been cast out of us like the rivers of uh, cast out of the sea. And they've been blotted out. And we have... Uh, Isaiah 38 says they've been cast behind God's back and Jeremiah 31 says he remembers our sin no more. That's forgiveness. Justification. What does that mean to be justified? I, I, I heard it once. It's just as if I had never sinned. 
Um, I'm not sure how that exactly works, but just as if I'd never sinned. And this justification, you can picture the court scene, the sinner um, in his own merit stands before God. And um, uh, because of the sin, the, the, the penalty of that sin should be death. And that should be pronounced that eternal death. Um, this is right back from the beginning. Um, if you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. And whilst physically they didn't immediately die, death went at work in them. And there's a penalty for sin. And justification means that when we accept God's plan for salvation, we accept his grace, we accept God's plan for salvation. Apart from grace, this can't happen. Um, apart from grace, the total hu the human race would have been absolutely destroyed. But through God's love, through um, God's sacrifice of the sinless, perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ became a substitute for our sinners. And he satisfied the requirements of the law. It was nailed to the cross, the scripture says. The, the, the um, charges against us nailed to the cross and... Um, we come out justified. We come out um, legally. The penalty for our sin has been paid. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So the believer's sin is imputed to Christ, and Christ's righteousness is imputed to the believer. And when we repent, we receive Christ as our substitute and we become united to him. We enter into Christ and Christ enters into us. This is the work. The, the sinner is treated as if he'd obeyed the laws, as if he was Christ. And Christ and God sees us in Christ, not in our own sin and our trespasses. And in the view of relation to a substitute, it's like God is taken the punishment that was due to us and Christ has taken that on his body, on the tree. He is justified. The sinner is justified because of what God has done. Uh, number three, reconciliation. Sinners, uh, naturally speaking, are enemies of God. And they live in opposition to God's government. And humans in their sin um, have this antagonistic um hostility towards God and it's like ourself and God we're moving in opposite directions and we're living contrary to him and it's almost then we become even at war with ourselves um, because there's no peace with God but enemies of God need reconciliation in Romans 5 it says while you were yet sinners Christ died for you when we were enemies, God reconciled us by the death of his son. And the carnal mind, uh, our human mind, is at enmity with God, so that our flesh cannot please God. But you, who once were alienated, this is the good news that Colossians says, alienated, enemies of the mind in your wickedness, have now been reconciled with God. Christ's sacrifice produced the basis of that reconciliation, the king of the universe um, and his enemies. God propitiated our sins and as sinners we are reconciled with him. And now we have peace with God and we are no longer his enemies. Christ says, I call you my friends. And we are that friend of God. 
We are that friend of God and that relationship is restored. And that brings hope, doesn't it? When you can have restored relationship, which is so vital um, with each other as well with God. Number four, redemption. Redemption literally means to be brought back from slavery. Um, the apostle would say uh, that we are slaves of our passions and our sins. And Christ has come to take us out of that slavery, to buy us back. It's the story of Hosea, um, isn't it? When he buys back and rescues, and it's a metaphor for what God had done to Israel. And Israel would constantly go off into uh, idolatry. That idolatry would leave them into slavery, and then Christ, and then Christ, and then God would buy them back, which is then the metaphor of what Christ has done for us in buying us back from our sins. The scene is, you know, like the the marketplace of old, where the slaves are being sold, and they're they're going to be um, uh, people are going to be sold into slavery. And then it's almost like Christ himself comes and he purchases us and then gives us the freedom that uh, we actually don't deserve. The son who voluntarily gave himself up, paid the price for us as sinner. Um, he, he redeems us from the marketplace where we're sold into our own wickedness and our own desires. And then we are brought back. This is God the creator in his work in justification, in the judge, in the, in the reconciliation, and he is the redeemer. Uh, if you look in uh, Ruth and Barad's story, you've got the kingsman redeemer, the one who buys them out of their destituteness and their poverty. And in our own sin, you know, we, we are slaves to it. And uh, it's only through redemption that we can come uh, and come out of this trap of uh, the law of sin and death. You need to read Romans 6 and, and have a look at through this. Um, but slaves are under bondage, and Christ does not want us in bondage. The scripture says, who the Son has set free is free indeed. And uh, he wants to give us that, that freedom. Um, number five is sanctification. I'm skipping through these nice and quick. Um, the sinner needs sanctification. Sanctification means to be made holy. And where um, in our sin we are unholy, we are desecrated, we are polluted and profane, the scripture says to us. And in that condition, God can't dwell with human humans because they are unholy. He cannot abide in their presence. Um, so it's like Christ himself through his work and through the work of the Holy Spirit, is making us clean, is making us holy. Holy means to be separate or to be, that, that idea of sanctification is an idea of being set apart. Uh, scripture talks about different vessels and vessels that are unclean and vessels that are, that, um, that are for clean, clean vessels and unclean vessels. And to be used by the master, the scripture says, that we need to be made clean. And we need to be made uh, washed and holy in his sight. Sanctification originates, it's all the work of God. It's God's grace. It's God's sacrifice. And it's, uh, in 1, 1 Corinthians 1, it says this, But you are of Christ, and who made us 
unto wisdom, righteousness, sanctification and redemption. It's the idea that Christ is the sinner's sanctification. In other words, Christ in his holiness brings us into a place of holiness. And it's, it's vital for our relationship with God. God is holy. No man can see God and live. No humans can see God and live. And it's this uh, process, and, and the old priests of old would, would understand this, about the cleansing and the, the washing. And uh, Christ does that. He washes us and makes us clean by his word. He said to Peter, you are already clean because the words that I've spoken to you. But he washes their feet still. Um, you read that in the book of John. But this is vital to our relationship with Christ, that the believer, us, we can stand holy before God. We can have that right standing and we can enter into his presence. When we enter into presence, it's like we're standing on holy ground and he separates us. That's that sanctification, separate us from the world, dedicates to us, to God and makes us a saint. That is one who is sanctified. Number six. Uh, newness of life. Scripture says that we're dead in our sins and our trespasses without God in the world, alienated from the life of God, it says in Ephesians. But uh, he makes us alive and he makes us, um, gives us that newness of life in our hearts and in our spirit where things that are dead cannot receive God, obviously, um, but he makes us alive with him. And it's when sinners enter into Christ, they become these new creatures and Christ enters into them and they receive his life. This is the life that Christ came to give. He says, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life to the full. So there's a fullness of life, but there's also a restoration of us being dead in our sins and our trespasses. And that life brings us into a new position with God, uh, not only a relationship with God, but that life is meant to sustain us. It's like um, scripture says that um, man was a, a living being because God placed his breath within, um, within mankind. He breathed on them and gave them life. And we see a similar thing happening in the end of the book of John, where Jesus breathes on his disciples. And he says, go and forgive others and they'll be forgiven. Take this and receive this Holy Spirit. And the word spirit and breath, you know, they're very, uh, very similar word there. And it's this idea that while there is breath in us, we, have, uh, we live. And as believers, we live by the breath of God. We live by that. And uh, God is then, um, breathes his life into us and we become this new creation that we will become a newness of life where are we number seven um the idea of adoption here that we are estranged that we are strangers from god that uh when we're not part of his family and this is where peter says god planned long ago that he wanted you for his people and this adoption is the act of god in salvation where he is the father and he places his begotten child or uh, adult child um, in his family and he gives him all the inheritance 
us. Again, what Peter said talked about, he has an inheritance for us. All the privileges of that legal inheritance is because we've been adopted. We've been, uh, that legality of uh, giving us new life, but also placing us in his family. That newness, life, newness of life gives us the nature of being the sons and daughters of God. And that places us in a position of authority. You've got to look at the parable of the two sons. And when the, the prodigal son had, had been wayward and, and he'd come back and uh, the father embraces him, puts the ring on his finger, sign of authority, the shoes on his feet, the robe, if you like, of righteousness, and uh, brings him back in to the family, even though he'd betrayed his his dad. And he was like, come on, I want to adopt you and, and almost give him back that place um, in the family. And this is what Christ wants to, to, God is doing with us in Christ. He has begotten us, if you like, as children, as adopted sons and daughters in God. And, and uh, Revelation 21, which is towards the end of the story here, he says, he that overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son or daughter. Um, and it's this Holy Spirit at work in us that tells us that we know we're children of God, that we know we're loved and accepted. We know that we are welcome. It's almost like we have a place at the table. You know, when you go to your parents' house and you don't ring the bell, you just walk straight in, don't you, because you're a son or a daughter of the house. And um, it's like God wants us to be like that. He wants us to come into his presence with thanksgiving, without that feeling of shame, without that feeling of unworthiness that we're not, uh, that we don't belong. He wants us to know that we belong. It says in Romans 8, the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and that we are heirs, um, joint heirs with Christ. And if we're ever feeling like we don't belong, you know, know that we are a son and a daughter of God. If we ever feel like that we're just heavy and lethargic, remember that Christ has breathed his life into us. He's given us newness of life. If we ever feel defiled and unholy, remember the work of the Spirit is to sanctify us, to wash us clean and to make us holy in his presence. If we ever feel like trapped, um, you know, like a slave to our sin, remember Christ's work, he's brought us out of slavery and he's given us uh, that newness of life. If we ever feel like we've stuffed up so bad that God could never forgive us, remember that he wants relationship with us and he's reconciled us. And if you're ever feeling guilty for your sin, you just need to say, thank you, Jesus, that you have forgiven me. You've taken my sin as far as the east is from the west. And even though you're the divine judge, uh, the supreme judge, you judge me not guilty because of what you've done. And then, this was number one, wasn't it? The forgiveness that God has for us. I tell you, to walk in forgiveness and to walk in love and to know that my heavenly Father holds no charge against me, what an amazing thing. Even though I was dead in my sin and trespasses, even though I was a debtor, even though I was a criminal, even though I was an enemy of God, even though I was a slave to my sin, even though I was defiled and unholy, even though I was dead, even though I was a stranger, a 
estranged from God. God's work in his salvation has brought all this to completion. And I want to say to you now, do you know what it means to experience salvation? Are you suffering? Is there any area where you can say, God, I need you. I need your help. I need your Holy Spirit to come into me right now, all of us, to pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Christ, that you took the place on that cross. You took my place. You nailed the handwriting requirements of the law on that cross. And you bled and died for me, that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all unrighteousness that you bring me into a place of peace and forgiveness and salvation. You bring me into a place of adoption as your son or daughter, and you've given me that newness of life. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. I choose to leave my old life behind. And that's repentance, isn't it? Lord, bring up repentance into my life for your kind, through your kindness. Draw me to a place where I can leave behind my old sin and trespasses and walk in all that you've got for me. Thank you, Lord, that I can come to you in faith, believing not only that you exist, but that you reward those who diligently seek you. And Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to come upon each and every one of us, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, and bring us into that fullness of life that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.